This is episode 18 with author Nancy Legary. This is Pencil Leadership. My name is Chris Anderson. Finally realizing my master's degree only taught me so much, I decided to start on a journey to learn more about what it truly means to be a pencil leader and how we can leave a positive mark on people and the world around us. So each week, I'm going to bring you a topic or a guest that will help guide us on our way to grow and leave a positive mark wherever we go. So if you're ready, take out your pencils and let's begin. Healing takes courage, and we all have courage, even if we have to dig a little to find it. Corey Amos. And everyone deals with things differently, and everyone has a story that we might not always see. So that's why it's so important to go out and try to be a positive impact on people's lives. And today's story is just about that, healing and moving on from trauma. The following interview may include discussion of some harsh treatment and experiences uh, by our guest, Nancy, throughout her life. So this content could be triggering for some. And if there is that chance, I encourage you just to go ahead and skip this episode and go and check out one of the others uh, for the show. So through her book, Life in the Shadows, Nancy offers us a rare and courageous glimpse into the devastating and complex nature of traumatic injury from childhood sexual abuse and all of its associated symptoms. We witness firsthand how our survival instincts can help us live through the unlivable and then cope with the aftermath. We are reminded of the power of the meaningful connection in bringing healing, purpose, and possibility into our lives. And perhaps, most importantly, we are shown by vivid example that, is in, that it is possible to heal from trauma. Nancy, so glad to have you on the show today. Oh, thank you so much for allowing me this, this uh, access to your audience to share my story. No problem. And, and uh, really, really kind of excited just to hear your story uh, from a position of learning, uh, of healing and, and growth from traumatic uh, experiences. Uh, and so basically you're, you're the author of Life in the Shadows, which is out on Amazon um, and, and things of that nature, which we'll have a link in the show notes below for. But it's, it's your story of your traumatic experiences as you grew up being sexually abused when you're seven, right? Is that? Yes, I, I was raped at the age of seven. Mm. And, and that in itself would change my perception of, mm-hmm. of what normal or normalcy would, be, would become for me. Uh, anybody that experiences a trauma, it affects basically how you perceive things. Mm-hmm. It affects your sense of security. It affects, um, it brings on fear that you never knew even existed before. And it affects how you think other people perceive you because mm-hmm. of how you perceive yourself. Yeah. Then, And with that, so was this, and you don't have to answer these questions if, if you don't want, but was it someone you knew? Is that? It was of- an next door neighbor. Oh man. Wow. Yeah. So, so being that, that, that person was so close all mm-hmm. the time also, um, I think maybe makes the trauma a little bit, um, overwhelming mm-hmm. because you see that person all the time. Yeah. So it intensifies, I guess that the feeling of fear oh, and, I'm sure. and 
And I'm from a generation where um, it was basically a, a generation of secrets. Mm. Just because, I mean, there was no internet back then and there was right. no Facebook and there was no Instagram. There was none of that. <laughs> right. And these things were never talked about. And there was very little known about it, even though my story is certainly not unique. Right. Unfortunately. Just, just by publishing the book, I've heard from hundreds of people that just say, oh, my God, your so story is so much like mine. Mm. Or, you know, it's it's basically along the same lines. So. Mm -hmm. It's nowhere unique, and, and it still happens today, unfortunately. Right, yeah. But with the internet, it gives people um, information, yep. I guess, that, that they would never otherwise have. For sure, yeah. And that definitely, the, the just generational differences with that and having the, no outlet kind of and no education back then. Now, so this was, like you said, you had the secret of it. So you grew up with this neighbor throughout your life there you knowing this how long did that process go until you were able to to come and and bring that to light to start the healing process oh my god it took a long time sure i was uh we we moved away from there i think when i was about 11 years old okay i think something like that but still the secret follows you because yeah. by that time you've been living with it for four years so it, mm -hmm. it it's like I very quickly um, came to the conclusion that there was something wrong with me, mm. that it was something about me that had caused this. Mm -hmm. And I felt very different than the rest of the people around me, but it's a common thing. Right. It, it seems to be a common uh, denominator between anybody that even goes any kind of trauma, actually. Yep. Yeah. You feel broken. Mm. You think there's something wrong with you. And, and, and I brought this with me through my entire life, but I was one of these people that was fortunate because, and, and I know we're, we're going to talk about this later on about mm. mentors and coaches mm -hmm. and stuff. And, but I was one of the fortunate ones that always had what I call earth angels mm. that at, at the times where I struggled the most, all of a sudden these people would appear in my life. People that I either had never met uh, people that would just kind of be there and, and right. offer uh, some 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 kind of of, of reassurance, uh, feeling safe, um, and and that goes back as far as as like even with teachers. Yeah, you know, you never know the impact you're going to have on somebody's life. Mm, that's and so true. These people, to me, they made me feel special. There, there mm -hmm. was a, a grade four teacher and a grade eight teacher that I can remember. And because for that one year, they gave me a place where I felt safe, mm. where for some reason I felt like I was being seen and heard. I they still didn't know my secret, but they made me feel smart. They made me feel yeah. different, but in a good way. Yeah. You know? That's huge too. Cause I mean, we never know the people we interact with. We don't know their stories completely. We don't know everything. And my wife being a teacher, it's the same thing. And she, she tells me stories of, of things that have happened to kids that she's heard of through uh, like the educational board and everything. Cause it becomes that level, but she's like, I would have never known. And so always having that interaction that is positive. Uh, Cause you never know what they're going through. Yeah. 
So, but I mean, these teachers didn't only treat me special. They did it with, right. with their entire classroom. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. But they had that ability to make that one person feel special. Yep. Who needed it more than the others, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. how how long was it before you were able to start? When did you be able to open up and start to like basically say that this happened? <laughs> uh, at 50. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, 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 I found alcohol in my teenage mm. year. Okay. I was 12 years old when I first found alcohol and it made me feel normal. Mm. It made me feel okay. And I very quickly became addicted to it, but it was a, sh- a short addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time I was 19, had I not found recovery, alcohol right. would have killed me, man. But at the same time, it kept me alive through my teenage years, Mm. which is something that I desperately needed. Otherwise, I don't think I would have made it through uh, high school without committing suicide. So, but like I said, I mean, as much as it was something very difficult to live with, uh, it also kept me alive until I was able to get strong enough to be able to become the person that I am today. Yeah. And that's so, I mean, just kind of a testament to generational differences possibly, but like the fact that it was such a secret and like, I think nowadays at least seeking counseling is becoming more of a, uh, a positive thing. Whereas I know when I was younger, I thought seeking counseling was like a weakness or something of that nature. And so now that people are, we're finally, hopefully breaking through that stigma of being able to seek counseling hopefully will help a lot of people. But so alcohol since 12, (laughs) that's how did you break that? It's like, what helped you get through that area of life? Earth angels. Yeah. I, people that I had never met that Mm -hmm. I didn't know, um, basically got together and, and kind of did a bit of an intervention. Okay to get me to recovery. Wow. And, and they basically stayed with me. Yeah. They offered me shelter, um, you know, and, and it, it was just amazing, mm. you know, and, and a lot of these people, um, like we're talking 35 years ago now, but right. a lot of these people, um, after I moved on from there, I, I never saw again. Wow. You know, we just kind of went our separate huh. ways, but they saved my life. That's that. Wow. And did you know these people or were these strangers or a mixture of both? strangers? They were strangers wow. because uh, shortly after I graduated from high school, uh-huh. I, I had a, I had a part-time job in um, a retail store and the assistant manager's wife befriended me. Okay. She, for some reason knew and understood that I was very much in trouble. Like mm. I just was barely making it through each day and, and, And I used to laugh because I used to tell people, "Ah, I don't care if I graduate. I don't, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to see my 19th birthday. Wow. It, that seemed to be, I, for me, (laughs) once I reached 19, it seemed to be like, that would be the time where I would just basically end it all. That would be enough Mm. for me. Mm. And her and her husband, I guess, had discussions and, and he told her, he said, well, you know, if, if they were moving on to a a different store in a different province, Mm. And he said to her, he said, well, you know, if we don't take her with us, she won't make it. 
So basically they offered me room and board and he offered me a job in another province. And that's how I left where I was at, but they knew uh, that I had an addiction problem. Okay. And uh, she's the one that found somebody that was a member of Alcoholics Anonymous Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. had them come and talk to me. So you were living with, with them at that time. Okay. So you had moved out from your parents or. Yeah. Oh, wow. okay. Right after I graduated, I, I left oh, home. Oh, man. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So, and, and this kind of goes back, and I'm just curious, did you, with the neighbor at age seven, was it a one-time thing? Did you ever have to hear from that person again, or was it just kind of a forgotten? It was a one-time but a, thing, but they lived directly across the yeah. road from us. So, oh, man. I ran into him often. Yeah. I didn't have to talk to him. But he was always in in in, in my eyesight. Like, he, uh, you know, if he'd come out of his uh, front door, I, mm-hmm. I would see him because mm. we were playing outside. Like, you know, so it was it was always the reminder was always there. Yeah. And he uh. had warned me that if I told anybody, he would come after my younger sister. Oh, geez. So, I mean, it, it, that's what predators do anyways. Uh. They, they tend to um, go go after the yeah. families or tell you that don't go after your family and they never do. But as yeah. a child, you don't understand. You're right. That. Man. So, yeah. And so you went uh, AA to get through the alcohol and how, how was that process? I mean, I'm sure that was even difficult to, to overcome the alcoholism through that. It, it took a while yeah. for me to actually want mm-hmm. to be sober. Yeah. Uh, because that had been my coping mechanism. Right. So once I sobered up, I started having a lot of issues with um, PTSD, with flashbacks mm. and, and, and nightmares and all these things that alcohol had been uh, covering up for. Yeah. Me. So I, I started. I started living differently. OK. I, I managed to stay away from alcohol, but um, I also. My, my sleeping pattern changed mm. dramatically. Mm. I started sleeping in little like 15 minute increments hmm. sitting in a chair hmm. so that I wouldn't go into a deep sleep and there would be no nightmare, man. And I kept myself busy as busy as I could. Like every hour of the day, if I could be doing something, I stayed busy. And uh, eventually that kind of caught up with me. Yeah. I, I, I injured my back mm which was, I think life's way of saying, okay, this is enough. Like you're, you're pushing yourself too much and now it's time for you to deal with this. Yeah. And I went into a depression Uh. and was hospitalized in Mm -hmm. the psychiatric unit for being a danger to myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where I think it, it kind of, that that's where I I realized uh, where my life was heading. And, and mm-hmm. cause I was sitting there one day and I said, my God, I said, like, you're 22 years old, you have a good job and you're sober. What is the matter with you? Like, why yeah. can't you get this? Mm-hmm. And, uh, it took a little bit of work. The, yeah. I, I was hospitalized for two weeks and then it just kind of let me go home mm-hmm. with, without any follow-up whatsoever. Huh. Wow. Yeah, I actually was diagnosed (laughs) with uh, borderline personality disorder. Okay. Because the the psychiatrist that had interviewed me spent maybe half an hour with me. Hmm. And uh, we didn't click. 
So there was no way that I was going to open up to this person. Yeah. And uh, I just didn't talk. So they gotcha. basically diagnosed me with borderline personality disorder. <laughs> and I, I wasn't aware of that, but I found that out later, later? in, in years when I had access to my medical records. <sighs> so from there, I just, I, I decided that I would try to get help. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first two therapists that I, that I ran into, there was no connection there. And I, I huh. didn't like them. And so I, I think it took me a year. Okay find somebody wow and i and and it was a psychologist and i went to see this person every second saturday for four years wow and the first two years i never said a word wow i i would drive two and a half hours to go see her and i would sit there like the the whole two and a half hours i would say okay this week i'm i'm really going to talk to her i'm going to tell her (laughs) what's going on and and by the time i would get there there was nothing wow I had no access to that part of my brain Yeah, where the trauma was stored. For sure. So I, how- I, li- I had lived most of my life with the logical side of my brain. Yep. You know, kind of void of emotions. You just don't go there. And yeah. then I would just kind of go through the motion of, of, huh. of a day. But it, it, and even in those four years, I never verbally told her what happened. Okay. I was wondering. Yeah. Okay. No. Wow. So what did did she just kind of hear the story about like your depression and alcoholism and, and never really got to the underlying root of it all. Yeah. I I just, I could not go. She knew, she knew by little bits and pieces that I was Uh, able to offer in in mm -hmm. information. She was able to put together a picture, Hmm. but I, I never did tell her the story from beginning to end until way later i i think well she read my book actually oh wow <laughs> yeah so she yeah. contacted you back and said oh, wow i never knew well she she knew because the signs were there oh, okay gotcha but she didn't have the actual details okay and and that Man. would come like later i think i may have written a letter at one point okay to her during in therapy like uh-huh. because she would give me these this homework to do and God, I used to hate that. And <laughs> most of the time I wouldn't do it. Yeah. But I think this one time it was to write a letter to this person that had hurt me so much. And, and mm. I think she might have gathered some of the information from there. Wow. Yeah. So how long did you see her? I went to see her for four years. Four years. Okay. I didn't know if you continued after her. Okay. And then she, she kind of offered me enough tools that I was able mm. to maneuver through life fairly not happy not sad just yeah kind of in a dead zone okay but that for me at the time that was the best i could do for sure so but I, wh- I was comfortable there i was yeah. okay there oh i bet it's just yeah. easier so when did you find that you like started having the bigger breakthroughs as far as healing like it was it when, you- when when i turned uh, 50 okay when you were able to open up how did that pro- how did that come about like what what caused you to finally want to bring that to light and and start that process cuz that's a huge for carrying that for so long for 43 years like that's wow I, at 31 i met what uh, who is currently my wife now and uh for years i couldn't figure out why she would even be with me because my impression of me was certainly not very good. 
and there was nothing about me that I liked, but I couldn't figure out what she liked about me. She thought I was this amazing person, that I was smart and that I was just awesome. And I thought it took me years, you know, and, and, and I can't say that at the very beginning, I loved her because I don't think I was capable of that. But we never fought. We seemed to really get along together. And, and it was almost like a soulmate. So I stayed. And eventually, I really grew to love her because she became basically the rock in my life. She believed so much in me that I slowly started to believe in myself to the point where I set up my own business and, and I'm doing really well at that. And I just, I, I really started to see little bits and pieces of what she could see. And uh, at 50, uh, there, there's quite an age gap between the two of us. There's 17 years in the difference. So by the time I was 50, she was already 67. And we had been together for quite a few years, but for some reason, I, that was the year where I said, oh my God, like, we don't have as many years ahead of us as what we've had together. And I really wanted to be in the moment. I wanted to know what it was like to live every day, loving absolutely everything about it about the process of being alive, of being with her and having her part of my life. And I had not been able to do that. So at 50 is when I decided that I was going to go back into um, therapy to make sure that I could deal with this thing once and for all and, and feel alive. And the only way for me to do that, because of my, my character, I don't do anything unless I absolutely have to. So I filed a lawsuit, a civil lawsuit against the guy that had raped me. I figured if anything, this was going to force me to come to terms with it. I had no choice. And I went into therapy because I needed to find my voice. I needed to find a, a way to tell uh, these people in discovery what had happened to me and what it had done. And that's when the book kind of came to life, because the only way I found I was able to do that was in writing. I had to see my story before I was able to tell it. So I wrote, I wrote and I wrote, and eventually I put it into book form and it took on a life of its own. And, and, and I think going back to what you said a little bit ago was so for so long, you you were telling yourself like you weren't worthy, like all this negative, and it just kind of encapsulated your mindset and your heart. And so like you not being able to see all the good about yourself. And then finally, you were able to start chipping away at that and finally just kind of bust out and, and be able to kind of live, live freely and, and truly see who you were. Um, I think that's huge. And I think that that happens to so many people. Um, they just tell themselves over and over the negative things about themselves and it just imprisons them, I think. Yeah, it, cer it certainly does. It, it, it changes your entire perception of life. Yeah. And what's available for you. For sure. And 
but like I said, there's no way I would have been, when I decided at 50 that I was going to make these major changes, Yeah. it also became very important that I surround myself with people that could support me through this. And I decided that I was going to basically pull together a group of professional women. Mm. Of course, they all had to be women for me mm-hmm. to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that included everybody from my family physician. Uh, I seeked out all kinds of holistic practitioners mm. um, of, of different walks of life. I even consulted with a shaman, mm. with mediums, yeah, and anybody that that I knew that at any point through this journey, uh, I could reach out to and they would be there for me. For sure. So that meant that I needed to share parts of my story with them. But I, at the time, I could only do that in writing. Yeah. So each of them got basically the same uh, letter okay. stating why I was doing this and why I needed their help. And, uh, you know, what were my triggers mm-hmm. so that everybody was aware. And were they able to work with me? And, and all of them, all wow. of them uh, stepped up. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that kind of just goes back to the the importance of community and having people around you, a circle of people. Um, it doesn't have to be a lot, but a group. And, yeah. and they all bring something yeah. to help one another. And yeah. um, such a huge testament to that. And and so you filed the lawsuit. How did that play out? Did, was it anything come from that or was it just you filed it and it was done? I, I'm not. God, like, that's been... I, I'm I'm sure it's, that it's was something. Been, it's been a, a nightmare, actually. It's oh. been. Uh, I walked away from it after four and a half years. Yeah. Which was just uh, December of okay. this past year. Wow. Uh, I, I just had to basically walk away. The The legal system is very broken when it comes to dealing with, with victims. Gotcha. Uh, as much in Canada as I see it is in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's everything got postponed over and over Mm. and over again. And uh, we eventually had a discovery hearing in October of 2018. Yeah. um, That was certainly not what I would call empowering for me. Uh, I found, I found it very um, shaming. It's Mm. the the whole process is very shaming and embarrassing. And, and then shortly before Christmas, uh, my lawyer contacted me and said that he, we were, we would have to go to court in January to fight a motion from the other side. They wanted access to all of my therapy notes throughout the year. Uh, basically they wanted the, the client files from, from the different therapists mm-hmm. and everybody that I yeah. basically had dealt with throughout the years. And, and whether it it re- was related to right. the, the rape or not, it didn't make any difference. Right. So basically, they were on a fishing expedition uh, to bring out basically more things to just shame me to the point where I mm. would no longer want to pursue this case. And he also told me that here in Canada, uh, judges um, 95% of the time leaned towards uh, giving these documents mm. to the other side. They already had all of my medical documents. Mm-hmm. They had all of the reports from all of the main uh, therapists that I had mm-hmm. worked with through the years. Right. But it wasn't enough. Wow. You know, they just were looking for stuff that would have just basically destroyed me mm. and taken down people around me that 
had nothing to do with this lawsuit. Mm. So I, I made the excruciating decision to walk away after four and a half years. Wow. Yeah. And uh, did did you have to have contact with your neighbor at all, or is he was he still alive, or how's that? Oh, he's still alive. Wow. Okay. He never attended any of the discovery hearing. He uh, never. I we never saw him through this entire process. He never spoke. He never said anything. Wow. Um, because the discovery basically is for them to to come and see what my uh, evidence is. Mm, okay. So it's been it it was four and a half years of that. Wow. And it, there was no end in sight. And even after giving them all of these other documents, then they would have requested more discovery. Yeah. And it would have probably gone on for another two to three years. <sighs> and even had I won at the end to recover any of the funds that, mm. that I would have won would have been another legal battle. Yeah. So it, it was it was pointless to carry on. Yeah. But it took, and it took me probably about a month because for me, that was walking away was a personal failure, Mm. but the emotional price that I would have had to pay to see it to the end uh, was greater than the shame of me walking away. For sure. Cause I mean, I I can't imagine and I don't try to try to at all, but like, I don't know what what would you have done or what do you think would you would have felt if you would have seen your neighbor again in that trial at all? Like I can't fathom. By the time I walked away from, from, Mm -hmm. from the whole thing, it had really nothing to do with him anymore. Yeah. It had allowed me to basically become free of all of this. Gotcha. I had found my voice Mm -hmm. by this time I had published my book. Um, Everybody, it, it, I come from a very small town okay. of maybe 10,000 people. Okay. And everybody there knew by this time this story because this is mm. where I launched my book. Gotcha. So, and in my book, I never mentioned his name. Wow. But there was nothing stopping me from telling people who he was. Right. And uh, I had people in my family telling people who he was. Huh. So now, yeah. like, th- there's no winner no. in any of this. Yeah. Because he walked away with probably a legal bill of anywhere between 60 and $75,000. And he was uh, physically crushed by all of this. Mm. He required two back surgeries. Mm. So tell me that the weight of all this didn't crush him. Oh, I'm sure. You know, absolutely. And now he's got to live with it. Yep. And he's got to live with the fact that every time he talks to anybody, he, he like him, him and his wife, mm. uh, they're always going to wonder, like, do they know? Yep. Have they heard? Yeah. You know, so there's no winner in any of this. Right. Except that I found some sort of peace. Yeah. And, and I'll have to, to work with a lot of the, the, the leftovers of this. Right. Probably for a few years to come. Yeah. But I found a voice and, and I'm talking about it and and that's huge. I'm becoming way stronger. Yeah, absolutely. Being able to bring things, whether it be uh, traumatic events or or mistakes we've done or, or things of that nature to the surface, to the light, that is, it's a huge, huge step in, in the positive direction to healing and to growing and to 
becoming new almost out of that. And I, I think that's a testament to your story is that you battled through all this for so long uh, and, and found that that ability and you found your way to to open up and bring it to the light by finding your voice through writing. And I think that's so, so amazing. Uh, and your story is just so, so strong and such a good example of never to give up and always try to search for your voice no matter what. Yeah. But I mean, Absolutely. I always had that little voice in my head, even mm. at the darkest moments yeah. that would just say like, just, just hang on for like, just make it through today. Yeah. Maybe tomorrow will be different. Mm -hmm. And that, that kept me alive for sure. And every time somebody would show up and even if it was just the power of human contact, mm -hmm. I don't think anybody really understands how much power that has. Right. And even if it's just you're walking somewhere and, and you know, you're, 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 you're contemplating whether you're going to make it through this day, the mm. person that's coming towards you, has no idea because right. you become very good at hiding these things mm -hmm. and you look normal. Right. But that one person will make eye contact with you and, and they'll just even give you a nudge, like just even a, a quick head shake or yep. anything. And all of a sudden you realize that somebody has seen you. Somebody actually noticed you, you mattered for that 10 seconds hmm. and that can keep you alive until Yep. The next day when you maybe come towards another person that will actually offer you help. Absolutely. That's and huge. that's the one thing that I try to do every time I go somewhere is now yep. is to look at at least one person hmm. and make direct eye contact and let them know that they matter. Yep. No matter who they are. I don't care sure. who they are. Right. And I don't know who or, or what they're going through. It could be a lawyer. It could be a judge. It could be a cashier. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Because we all have our issues. Yeah. Yeah. And we're all good at hiding them. For Some sure. less, Absolutely. not, not as good as others, mm -hmm. but you never know. Even that most confident person standing in front of you could yeah. be dying inside and we don't yeah. know it. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I mean, with, so my faith and, and what I believe in is to treat everyone the way you want to be treated and love everybody. And, and I believe God puts people in our lives that, help us and, and like like the earth angels you talked about like just people there just kept you going and kept at the right time helping you along your path and i think uh just how crazy it is and how like we could be used for something like that like yeah i think god could use us in people's lives and and, and just like you say it doesn't matter who it is you're trying to make them know that they they matter by yeah acknowledging them is huge. And I think such a very good uh, trait to have in, in thing and action to, to put into practice. And, and, and just for our listeners kind of to wrap things up, like what would you say are three things and I'm throwing this out there. I didn't uh, prepare you for this, but what would you say three things would be for people to start a healing process who, who might've been some, through something like this or, or another traumatic event? Don't be afraid to ask for help. That is, is the number one. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and if you run into the person that you don't click with, move on. Yeah. Go to somebody else until you find that one person that will help you reach a certain level. Mm -hmm. And from there, you may need to move on to somebody else because you cannot grow people. 
Right. Um, second of all is if you have a secret, tell at least one person. Yeah. You know, and, and, and today's technology allows us to do that. Yep. You don't even have to see the person. Right. You can just send an anonymous message to yep. anybody, you know, but yep. just do it because that will take, it will take the pressure off of that secret by probably mm -hmm. 50%. Absolutely. And thirdly is be okay with where you are at this moment here. Doesn't mm. mean you're going to stay there. Right. Just be okay with it. For because sure. that will give you the opportunity to move on. Yeah, man. Yeah. Those are all huge and very good tips and, and ways to start healing. And so thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for having the courage to be able to start writing that book, um, Life in the Shadows, and blessing everyone with that and and the benefit it's going to help somebody else. And so, so thankful for you being on the show. But before you go, I, I would like to ask you just a couple questions that have to pertain to pencil leadership. And I know you've touched on the first one a little bit with the people who had impacted your life, but was there anyone in particular specific person that had impacted your journey in a positive way? Oh, there's been so many. Yeah. If so I look like just in the last five uh -huh. years, yeah. Uh, the person um, that I'm working with now, the trauma specialist, yep. has been a gift. That's awesome. Just a gift. Like yeah. she's been able to take me to a place where I was never able to achieve before. Wow. That's awesome. Just by that human connection. Yeah. And I think that's cool. Yeah. Because we can have so many. And it just depends on the stage uh, that we are in life and the things we're going through. Those people will be there at the right moment. Uh, so I think that's that's really cool that we. Yeah, had you asked me that ten years ago, I would have had a different answer. For <laughs> right, you. exactly. No, that's awesome. So, well, the second one. So now you've, I mean, you've found your voice. You've written your book. Um, but after everything is done here on Earth, uh, you've done everything you want to do. You said everything you want to say. What positive mark do you want people to see from your life? I want someday for just one person to say that I made a difference mm. for just that one person. Yeah. I don't need to be recognized by a hundred or a thousand or mm -hmm. just that one person. If I can, if I can make a difference in one person's life, then my, I, I reached my goal. Mm. I, awesome. I did what I was put here to do. That's awesome. Well, I, I, I am going to assume that you are going to touch more than one person's life uh, and help more than one person's life with your story and, and your, your strength and courage to do so. So again, I, I appreciate you being on Pencil Leadership and sharing um, a, such a tough and traumatic story with us and, and just showing us how we can get through things like that and, and change ourselves and the world around us. So Nancy, thank you again so much. Um, is there anything you'd like to, I know your book's coming out, anything else that you have going on or any ways people can connect with you more? Uh, my book, Life in the Shadows, yeah. actually has its own Facebook page. Awesome. Uh, so people can connect with me there. Uh, it's available on Amazon as well as any major ebook retailers awesome. uh, have it. And there's just, I, I just want to leave your your audience with just one note yeah try to not judge the person that's standing in front of you or beside beside you mm. just 
it because we all judge them within the first 30 seconds we meet them yeah but you don't know what that person is going through you don't know what that person has had happen to them so just try to get to learn to know who the person is and sure. and where they come from and yeah. it so often will explain why they they are the way that they are so 100%. just give people a chance absolutely that's beautiful and again nancy thank you so much for sharing we're we're so grateful and humbled that you uh jumped on here with us today and, and shared all this for our audience so thank you again well thank you and thank you for making a difference oh, because no you problem. allow people like me to have a voice yeah thankfully thankful that i can uh have people on here and be able to do this for sure so thank you so much for tuning in to today's show if you enjoyed it share this with someone else and make a positive impact on their life also head on over and leave a five-star rating if you like anything you heard today and let me know what you think so i can make this show better for you in the future and go ahead and connect with me on instagram at chris.t.anderson love to hear from you Now let's go out and make a difference as pencil leaders.